Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Badlands Season 2 Sportsland, an anthology podcast from Jake Brennan, creator and host of the award-winning music and true crime podcast, Disgraceland, is out now. This show is just like Disgraceland, you know, edge of your seat storytelling and immersive sound design. But instead of the crazy lives of rock stars, Jake is talking about the true crimes and the unbelievable careers of some of the most famous athletes in the world. Athletes like Mike Tyson, Aaron Hernandez, Tonya Harding, Pete Rose, and OJ Simpson. Here's a clip from the episode on Mike Tyson, whose arrival as a prodigious 18-year-old professional boxer in the 1980s represented a major paradigm shift in the sport. But just as quickly as he rose, Mike Tyson began to fall. Check it out. Before the crowd at the Mirage in Las Vegas even laid eyes on Mike Tyson, they heard him coming. His opponent, Donovan Ruddick, pacing anxiously in the ring, he heard him coming too. Public enemies welcome to the Terror Dome thundered from the House PA. The song was an announcement, a warning, and a premonition all wrapped in one. And then the visual matched what the packed crowd was hearing. Mike Tyson, in the flesh, snaking his way through the throng with menacing ease. He was flanked by a posse in black shirts, sunglasses, and black caps that read, Tyson Rules. Mike wasn't wearing a shirt. He had no fancy satin robe, no corporate logos. Just a white towel with a hole cut in the middle so that he could wear it like a shirt. It looked like something he found on the floor of the dressing room backstage. He wore his customary basic black trunks, no socks. His Everlast gloves had been strapped on so tight that he thought his knuckles were going to burst right through the red leather. Mike had thought about Donovan Ruddick defeating him. He had dreamed about it. The thought consumed him in the months and weeks and days leading up to this moment. But now, emboldened by the heavy drone of the bomb squad beat, the undeniable flow of Chuck D, and an entourage that surrounded him like a secret service cocoon, Mike Tyson refused to lose. To Donovan Ruddick, Mike's walk to the ring felt like an eternity. He could hardly endure it. Ruddick had wanted this rematch. He thought their first meeting in the ring was unfair, and he wanted another chance, another opportunity to prove himself against the best of the best. But Ruddick now felt that the rematch was going to prove a colossal mistake. The audience knew it too. Mike Tyson was still only halfway to the ring, and he'd already won. Not everyone was granted a rematch by Mike Tyson. Some, like Donovan Ruddick, got their wish and regretted it. Others, like Mitch Green, were made to feel like a pitiful beggar when their wish was never granted. His name was Mitch Green, but everyone called him Blood. He got that nickname running with the street gangs in New York City in the 1970s. When he hit guys in the face, he hit them hard. So hard that they would bleed like crazy. Noses gushed, lips split. You got hit that hard and bled that much and you knew it was Blood who dealt the punch. He made the jump from the streets to the mat in the late 70s, and the nickname jumped with him. 
He dealt punches as a professional boxer in the following decade. But now, as the 1980s were coming to a close, there was only one person he really wanted to hit. Mike Tyson, heavyweight champion of the world. Mike had beaten blood in 10 rounds back in 86, unanimous decision. Despite the loss, Blood felt that he and Mike were mortal enemies. Blood wanted a rematch, another shot. But Mike always blew him off, the way a cocky heavyweight champion blows off anyone he's beaten. And then Blood got word that Mike Tyson just happened to be in his neighborhood, Harlem, over at Dapper Dan's, an all-night boutique with a client list that included hustlers, drug kingpins, and prize fighters. It was around 5 a.m. and Mike Tyson was shopping. An $850 white leather jacket. It's stitching red. Don't believe the hype on the back. No need to worry about that. Blood didn't believe the hype for one second. August 1988. Blood was waiting for Mike Tyson when he walked through the front door of Dapper Dan's and stepped out onto 125th Street. The neighborhood had yet to wake up. Blood asked Mike what the fuck he was doing in his hood and why the hell he wouldn't fight him again. Mike answered quickly. He wouldn't meet Blood in the ring, but he'd meet him here, now. Mike popped Blood twice in the head with his fist. The first punch knocked Blood down. Blood got back up. The second punch knocked him down again. Mike didn't wait for him to get up a second time. Mike was running down 125th Street, headed towards his car. Mike got the car started, but before he could drive off, he heard the sound of twisted metal directly outside. It was blood. He'd ripped the rearview mirror from the driver's side and was screaming at Mike. And when he got tired of screaming at Mike, he screamed loud enough for all of Harlem to hear. He screamed a lot of things, but they all boiled down to, Mike Tyson, you're a pussy. And that was it. No one disrespected the heavyweight champ. Mike opened the car door and stepped out. And before Blood had a chance to wind up, Mike had him on the ground again. Mike reached down and grabbed Blood by his hair, pulled his head up, and then sank a deadly right hook directly into his eye. Mike heard Blood's nose crack and he felt his own fist split in two. He was pretty sure he had fractured his hand on the spot. Blood hit the pavement face down. He didn't move. Mike wondered if maybe he'd killed him. Fuck. Maybe Blood was dead. Mike didn't want to find out. He jumped back in his car. Within seconds, he was gone. All right, everybody, you just heard the opening scene. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. From the premiere episode of Badlands, Season 2 Sportsland, hosted by me, Jake Brennan. If you want to hear the rest of the episode, along with other episodes on the shocking rise and fall of athletes like Oscar Pistorius, Tanya Harding, Evil Knievel, Aaron Hernandez, OJ Simpson, and more, you can do so every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can binge the entire season right now exclusively on Amazon Music. Welcome to Badlands, where bad just got worse.